So after last week's message, I really hope that after the service, I'm going to hear from some of you and hear some testimonies about how you went out into Chiang Mai and shared the gospel. I had taught on John 4, and we learned about a man who was in a horrific situation, hopeless, full of fear, and then in this time of desperation, somebody came and shared the testimony of Jesus Christ with this man. We just heard that now, didn't we? This man responded in the story in John 4. He ran to Jesus, come to before Jesus humbly in faith, and then he believed on the word of Jesus. He then walked in faith. And through this obedience, through this faith, a miracle took place. His son was healed. And his entire family came to faith in Jesus Christ. Amazing testimony. This man and his family's lives were changed forever because they had come now to know and understand the grace, the mercy, the peace, the freedom that we get through faith in Jesus Christ. So their eternity was changed forever, this family, from death to life. And it began all what? Remember? And he heard about Jesus. That's how it all started. Amazing testimony we see still happening today as we just heard from Sapphire, isn't it? So last week, after the message, someone had mentioned to me that as I taught that story, that it was interesting that the people, the main characters of the story, none of their names were mentioned. That was interesting, wasn't it? The government official, his name wasn't mentioned. Isn't that interesting? The person who had testified about Jesus' name wasn't mentioned. The focus wasn't on these people in the story, but the focus was on Jesus and the restoration and the healing that he brought. It's amazing. It was an amazing story. It was all about Jesus and his word. You know, that's my prayer. I think for all of us, it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit, through each one of us, that we could be an unnamed messenger, just like we studied last week, and just watch Jesus work. So, two weeks ago, Christian had taught a message. It was in Luke chapter 10, verses 21 through 42. We've got to catch up just a bit. It's called the servant's heart. Many of you were here for that message. And we, he asked a lot of questions. He challenged us. He asked, do we each have a servant's heart? You know, a servant's heart like we saw in the message last week, that we would just be unnamed and Jesus would be glorified. Christian really, he did a good job though. He gave a great outline for all of us to follow. An example, he said, are we joyful as a servant? He asked that. He asked, are we each humble as a servant? He also asked, do each of us know that how blessed we are to serve Jesus as a servant? Are we loving God and his people, extending mercy to them as it was given to each one of us? So Christian gave a great outline about a servant's heart. I, I like this. I say a servant with the right heart will always be found at the feet of the one he serves, depending on his Lord. Think about that, the servant. So does this describe our hearts this last week? Do we have a servant's heart? It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit, I know that for me, that I can, in the renewing of him each and every day in my life, so that I can live this type of life, because left to my own resources and by myself, I definitely do not have a servant's heart daily. But each day, God is so graceful, huh? 
Christian said also, he said, a heart that is absent from God's presence is one that becomes hardened towards other Christians. It's a big statement he made. So I, I continue to pray. Vicki prayed and she said, you know, we do pray for each one of you every day in all the prayer requests. And I pray that each one of us would be steadfast as we look at this in the word, in prayer, and in fellowship. Now today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. Jesus has a, a lesson for us explaining to us how we can pray. So everyone got your Bibles. John chapter 11. Let's look at verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So this disciple has witnessed Jesus praying. I can imagine this taking place, this disciple sitting, watching, listening as Jesus prayed and looking at that and wanting to learn himself how to pray God, pray to God as he witnessed Jesus do so often. Already a lesson right in the first verse, isn't there? Jesus is leading us by example. This is, this is truly discipleship shown through his personal walk with God that each of us can follow. This disciple now, he's seeking knowledge, he's seeking an understanding of what it was and how to pray. Isn't that beautiful? So what happened last week to me? Sapphire. Sapphire came up to me after the service last week. And she said, Pastor, I was wondering if the church or you or someone could maybe have a class. How do I pray? Explaining to me that her, with her background and others, with her past, needed to be taught how to pray. I told her, yes, of course. I mean, what a privilege, right? Now, most of you know here at Refuge, Calvary Chapel, we teach each Sunday verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And currently, we're going through the Gospels chronologically in order. So Monday, I grab my Bible, and I open it up, and I look at my schedule to study for today's message. What did the Holy Spirit do? I get goosebumps. What is the heading is in your Bibles for John chapter 11? Let's hear it. Isn't that phenomenal? The Holy Spirit knew what message need to come today, and it, it was for Sapphire and every one of us. And so that's amazing. I just, it gives me goosebumps even. I opened that up, I saw that, I was like, wow. God is moving, the Holy Spirit is leading. And I, I really see, I've said it and I say it a lot, we see a revival taking place in this city around us. So as we see a revival, I think it's important for us to remember what's required of us. Because as we get the privilege to be a part of these things taking place, to walk with people as they seek God, we need to be faithful and obedient to His Word as we do that. It's amazing though. So let's look, let's get back. So we often see or witness someone doing something that I would desire to learn more about. Many of you are like that? Maybe it's uh, something worldly. Maybe it's like how to barbecue the perfect steak. Maybe it's how to work out and just get huge biceps. Maybe it's something more personal, family-related, right? Maybe you see the behavior of your friend's children, and you wonder, 
how do they get their kids to behave so well? Or maybe we see a marriage and we see the love and the joy that's within that relationship and we wonder, how could we have this in our own marriage? What about our own walk with Christ, with Jesus? Do we see the faith of others and question how they became so faithful, their walk? Or are we amazed how our brother or sister in Christ, life is so full of grace and mercy and love? Do we see that? Do we see spiritual characteristics in others that we would desire in our own walk as a Christian? Like today's passage. What do you do when you see these things? Especially when today, what do you do when you see spiritual qualities in others that you would desire in your own life? Look at the verse again. It says, as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught the disciples. This is our second instruction for the passage already this week. Seek Jesus for instruction and others in the church and learn how to walk as a Christian. John the Baptist obviously had modeled this, discipling those around him, and now Jesus was doing the same. We need to follow this example, all of us, asking questions so we can learn how to best walk out our own faith in Jesus. I know culturally, many of you are much less likely to ask questions. I've experienced that here. But I challenge you, each of you, ask. Ask the pastors, ask the elders, so that you can also learn and grow in your faith. Ask questions. Jesus is going to teach us all how to pray. Let's look at verse 2. and Let's read it. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Now, Jesus has taught a lot of times on prayer. In fact, one specific area I think of, the Sermon on the Mount. It's in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. There's the same prayer. It's very similar. But... In that case, that was quite a while. This is a different time, but he's using the same model, the same outline. In Matthew, on the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus taught on prayer, he also added a warning, a warning about our motives behind praying. Are we praying to God to worship God? Are we praying to bring attention to ourselves, as we know that in Matthew? Now, in today's passages, Jesus instructs us first how to begin our prayer. How do we begin our prayer? How do we come before God? The first thing I see is addressing Him. We come before Him as Father. Prayer begins with this relationship that we have through faith. That we can come before God as His children. Isn't that amazing? When you just think about that, the first lesson I see is how do we begin our prayer? We get to come before God as Father. Our conversation with God begins with knowing who God is to us and who we are to Him. That's important. And we are His children. We are adopted into the family. He desired at the cost of His own Son to have us as His children. So we're instructed to begin our prayers by intimately and personally addressing God as Father. I want to give you a quote from Chuck Smith. We've got quite a few some Calvary Chapel people here today. So, The first thing in prayer is relationship. God is our Father. 
You see, if you're not a child of God, you have no access to the Father. In Old Testament times, you had to come to God through priest and sacrifices. You could not come directly to God. But no, through Jesus Christ, we have a relationship with God as His children. And thus, we come on the basis of this relationship. I hear this and I praise God for what He has given us. Let's look at the next point in the Scripture. He then instructs us, Jesus instructs us to acknowledge the one who we are praying to. Praising Him for who He is, what He has done for each one of us. So the world would know God, that He is holy, that He is righteous, and that we are to have reverence for God. Father, may Your name be kept holy. After Jesus instructs this, He says then to pray for the kingdom to come soon. What does that mean? For the kingdom to come soon. We are to pray to God our Father that His promises that He's given each one of us would be fulfilled soon. That His promise would be fulfilled. Specifically that Jesus would come for His church. That His kingdom would come soon. Let's look at verse 3. Give us each day the food we need. You know, as I read that, I remember, we know we all need provisions, don't we? We all need food. We need things each and every day. Maybe some more than others. I don't know. Jesus instructs us to pray each and every day that God will provide all that we would need for that day to rely upon Him. And I think it's the heart behind it that we would rely upon God to provide for all of our needs each and every day. I know a lot of us don't really live our lives that way, but if we would start each day depending on God for provision for every aspect of our life, and that's how we start our day, that's what He's looking for. That's what He's asking for, for each one of us. To start our day trusting God and praising Him then for all that He has provided. So, as I see that, I had to question, am I truly depending on and trusting God to meet my needs each day? If I pray like this outline, I believe I will be reminded to do that. That's one of the reasons we have a model prayer. Now, Jesus, he has further instructions. Look at verse 4. And forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. After that we've prayed that God would provide for our physical needs, Jesus then tells us to pray that our sins would be forgiven. This made me question a little bit. Why would I pray daily for my sins to be forgiven if my sins were paid for on the cross? When I first read that, it's kind of what I thought. Like, my sins were forgiven. It's true. 100%. Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. Past, present, and future. Done. Yet, each of us today, every day, have to deal with sin in our lives, don't we? God wants us to rely upon Him daily to overcome sin. To be sanctified each and every day. To call upon Him each and every day to equip us, to empower us to walk holy. If we will rely upon God 
He will deliver us from this, for the power of sin each and every day. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 to 13. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. This next part of the prayer turns now. Go back to Luke. Luke chapter 11. It turns. In verse 4. It turns to our relationship with God. Now, to others. We must be in prayer. Jesus, in fact, he's commanded us that we must forgive others as he's forgiven us. You know, this maybe is one of the more difficult parts of this prayer as I think about that. Forgive those who sin against us. When I think about that, I think that this is something I know I need to come before God each and every day. You know, some as some people, I believe, has misinterpreted this verse saying that, other things. But if you look at it, the last part, and do not lead us into temptation, some would say that God would lead them to sin. That's not true. This is not who God is. In fact, it's God who protects us from sin. So as we see these three different parts in verse 4, I see three points, really. I find it very apparent that I, myself, am not able to do any of them without the Holy Spirit. To be able to overcome sin, to forgive those that sin against us, and that we would not be led into temptation. We need each and every day to come and pray the Holy Spirit would empower us to do these things. So now Jesus is going to use a story in verses 5 through 8. Let's look at that back in Luke chapter 11. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanted to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, He will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. So Jesus is using a story to explain to all of us that we are to be persistent in our prayers. And also, as we are persistent, I think we need to remember what we are to pray for according to this prayer. Again, we're praying for daily provision, forgiveness of our sin, forgiveness of other sin, and protection from sin. I can imagine this story taking place, but I think we have to maybe look at a little bit of culture to appreciate the lesson that Jesus is teaching. Now, I imagine this story, we got to think of a home, as in Jesus' time, home. Now, many of the homes in Jesus' time are somewhat similar to the homes that we're familiar with as we go to villages. So we have a little bit of context. I've seen a lot of these houses that are two stories, and the first story is where all the animals are kept at night, typically. And the second story is basically one room where the entire family resides and sleeps. This is probably a good example of this house that is spoken of in this story. So 
The only reason in this story, as you see this happening, you can imagine this taking place, that this friend that has came over, there was nothing that was going to make him leave. This man wasn't going to stop until he got what he came for. Jesus is clear. As you read this, this is how we are to be in our own prayer life. Never giving up. In this story, even to the point, it was shameful almost what he was doing. He was so persistent in knocking. So annoying. But Jesus says in the story, this is a model story for our prayer life. Look at verses 9 and 10. He goes further. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus is continuing this by giving an explanation of this story. The lesson is clear. How we are to pray. Ask, seek, knock. I get a picture in my mind of this taking place. Someone knocking on my door, banging on the door. I can even think of a person. Maybe you could think of a person that would do that. I have a person right in my mind that would probably do that because they weren't prepared. I won't say who that person is, sorry. But I don't want to answer because it's late at night. And I remember, I especially think of it as a young family because I, I, I don't know exactly the story, but I imagine we know what it is to have a family and young children and to get them to sleep. It's sometimes hours of work to get your children to sleep. And someone's down there, and then he would have to come out. He's banging on the door. I can just imagine this taking place. And then you tell them, go away. But they don't stop. They don't leave. In fact, they start knocking even just louder. Bang, 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 bang. For what seems forever, they won't stop. Can you imagine this half asleep? They're going to wake up your kids. Your wife's hollering at you. Who is that? I imagine I could see this story taking place. Finally, I'm going to get up, put a shirt on. We're going to go down there to get them to stop knocking. It's quiet. I open the door, just give them whatever they want to get rid of them. Stop. Jesus instructs us to pray this way. It's amazing. In a fashion, this fashion, so that the door, as he says here, that would be open. And whatever we, well, we, it says, whatever we ask, we will receive, and whoever seeks will then find. It's quite an illustration Jesus gives, isn't it? It's very unique here. I love it. Look at 11 through 13. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I think Jesus has a very important point here He wants us all to understand. It's the love of a Father. It's how we begin our prayer, right? Father. He wants us to understand the love of the Father. Again, this teaching is very similar to the one in Matthew chapter 7. But Jesus obviously knew that the disciples and us need to be reminded again of how to pray. This last little bit of instruction I see here in the end of this verse. It says, pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the end. Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Do you know that we can pray in the Spirit? 
Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, 12. I'll give you this verse. Maybe it's from the Holy Spirit. It's not the one I wanted. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Have you prayed that the Holy Spirit would empower you to pray? And the power of the Holy Spirit would be outpoured through you? That these spiritual gifts would be manifested in your life, all while bringing God glory? Called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. After the service, if there's anyone here that would like prayer, they'd like to know more about what I'm talking about here, I ask that you'd come up. We would love to pray for you on this. Many of us have, uh, around here, especially I think in Asia, we've experienced God moving, the Holy Spirit doing amazing things, and miraculous things taking place. Many of us have witnessed miracles, but... Lately, I've heard something that I want to talk about. I've heard people talk about experiences that have taken place or certain manifestations of the Holy Spirit as He's working in certain ministries. Some of these people I've talked to, they, they believe that if the Holy Spirit isn't working in another ministry the same that they've witnessed in other ministries, then maybe the Holy Spirit isn't actually working, moving, or even present. That's not true. It's not true at all. I have another quote from Chuck Smith. Don't seek a particular experience. God works differently as He wills. Don't ask for an experience. Just ask for the Holy Spirit. And however you experience Him, let that be in His hands. I pray that each of us today would pray for a new work of the Holy Spirit. Not to experience something in the past or something in some other ministry. We want to see the Spirit move new and refreshed here and around us. Not going, well, God's not working because He's not working like that anymore. God's going to choose how He chooses to work. And we have the privilege to be a part of that. So this prayer given to us as an example is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. I think everyone's familiar with it. Most of you in New King James. I'm sorry, you guys probably read it. My version and your head's got all twisted up. I apologize. I'll hear about it later. But really, this is a disciple's prayer, isn't it? As I mentioned earlier, this, this prayer is also in Matthew's account, Sermon on the Mount. But there are some differences in the wording in Luke's account. And I think it was very intentional by Jesus. The meaning's the same. The prayer is the same. But I believe Jesus did this for a reason. Because Praying to the Father is not a word-by-word-from-a-script thing we do. We are given an outline of how we should pray. It's personal. And so the prayer was, the wording was changed a little bit here. And I think that's for all of us to know. This isn't a script. This isn't something we repeat over and over and over. We come to our Father acknowledging who He is. We seek Him for our daily needs. And we ask then for His protection and His equipping. So Jesus, as He continued, He broke it down even further. He said, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and we are to be extremely persistent in prayer and making our needs known to Him. One last point. How long was this prayer? How long would it say to say the Lord's Prayer or Disciples' Prayer? 
what, you think 20, 30 seconds, say that prayer, this model prayer given us by Jesus. Short. I think, as I look back in my own life, some of the most sincere prayers I ever had were even shorter. Simple. God save me. That was one of my most honest, sincere prayers I've ever had. Just that. God save me. In this prayer, it's very short. I'm not saying all long prayers are bad by any means. But I don't think sometimes people think they have to have this long, drawn-out prayer to pray. Sometimes the simplest prayers are the best and the most received by the heart that's the most humbled. God save me. Prayers daily worship. In this prayer, we see that what he asked for is that we will depend on him daily for everything. David Guzik says, prayer conforms us to the image of Jesus. I'd like to close as the worship team heads up. Hopefully the right verse. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about this mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim the message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those that are not believers and make the most out of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for giving us this example of how we are to pray. This example of how we are to worship. Lord, I pray that each one of us, Lord, as we come before you, Lord, we would reflect on this outline. Not to quote it word by word, but Lord, to see first how we do address you, who you are, our Father. And that, Lord, then we are to come in reverence, Lord, knowing you are holy. And praying, Lord, for your kingdom to come, that your promises would be fulfilled, that Jesus would come. And then, Lord, seek you daily for all of our needs, Lord. First, for provision, from freedom from sin, from protection. And Lord, through all of this, Lord, your Holy Spirit would continue to indwell in us, Lord, and empower us each and every day, Lord, that we would be able to go out and fulfill the calling on our lives. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for teaching us to pray. And all God's people said, Amen.